My name is graven on his hand. My name is written on his heart. I know that while in heaven he stands, no tongue can bid me thence depart. Well, I know I've been redeemed. You know, today we're asking the question, should I feel any different after baptism? Amen. And this man was so excited about his baptism that he almost drowned the preacher. <laughs> Obviously, he felt a sense of overwhelming joy, which is what we should all feel when we think about what Christ did for us. Amen. I want to say good morning and welcome to the Mission Viejo Church of Christ. What a great day to be in the house of the Lord. If you're visiting with us for the first time, we want to let you know that you are our honored guest and that you're always welcome to this church building whenever the doors are open. And I say this every Sunday, we believe you've come to the right place because I don't think you'll find a finer church in all of Mission Viejo. Say amen if you can. You know, uh, we've had a good day so far, and I'm so appreciative of everyone that was able to come out and participate uh, during our LTC pep rally that we had here this morning at 9.30. So everyone who came out, thank you. We got to encourage our young ones as they prepare to take a trip over to Tucson, Arizona to participate in that event. And we also want to remind you and let you know that we have a fellowship luncheon provided after service today. We're asking for donations, though, uh, so that we can support some of these young ones as they head out to Tucson uh, next weekend. I appreciate what Don said in his uh, communion talk this morning. Today is, is Palm Sunday, and Palm Sunday celebrates the day or commemorates the day that Christ entered into Jerusalem on a donkey preparing to be crucified. And there's a series of events that leads up to, to Easter. And what's so exciting about Easter and Christmas is that during Easter and Christmas, you can usually invite someone to church and they won't fuss or complain about it, okay? So I'm going to put this charge before the congregation this morning. Number one, make sure you wear your pastels next weekend, okay? And big hats. And then number two, make sure you invite someone. Invite someone out to our Easter service next Sunday. I believe that we can fill up this church building if all of us would tap the shoulder of a friend or a family member or a neighbor and invite them to worship with us on Easter Sunday. So today, you can tell by the clip, we're, we're talking about baptism. We're continuing on in our sermon series on baptism. And during this month of March, we've been asking and answering four questions about baptism. Number one, what is it? 
what is baptism? Number two, why do it? Number three, should I feel any different after my baptism? And number four, what if, dot, 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 what if I was baptized as an infant? What if I was baptized as a teenager or a younger person and I felt like my parents kind of forced me into it? What if I was baptized and, and I didn't have a great conversion? What, 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 what do I do? What if? So we're spending our time discussing, asking and answering those questions. Um, so in week one, we talked about what is it, right? And that subject we know very well here at this church, right? We talked about some church history, and we looked at some Greek terms that had to do with baptism. And then last week, we talked about why do it. And today, like I said, should I feel any different after my baptism? And looking at the clip this morning, it took me a while to find a, <laughs> a baptismal clip that I think just conveyed the message that I wanted to share with you this morning. This man in this clip was just so, so excited about what he just went through, what he just did. And bless the preacher's heart, he was almost drowned, but he came out and he looked excited too, right? So baptism is this exciting, exciting thing that I think we need to spend time with this morning discussing. If you have your Bibles, open up to 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. And we're going to be reading verses 18 through 21. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 18 through 21. I would invite you to follow along with me if you have a copy of your New Testaments. Scripture says here, For Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive by the Spirit, through whom he also went and preached to the spirits in prison who disobeyed long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. In it, only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a good conscience towards God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 18 through 21. This is a verse that we know very well in our fellowship, and it's one that gives us motivation to say to people, look, that if you're baptized, the very day that you're baptized, you are saved. You are added to the kingdom and that you are headed into glory or the promised land or, or heaven. And if we spend some time really kind of thinking about this passage, we need to look at the man Peter, first of all, to help bring to light some of the things that he was thinking in his mind while he was writing this portion of Scripture. We all know that Peter was an apostle that was on fire for Christ, right? If we look throughout Scripture, we have these amazing and outlandish stories of all the things that Peter did while he was conducting his public ministry. However, we also know that Peter was a very emotional person. And when I say emotional, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm not saying it's a good thing. It's just what it was. This man was an emotional man. And oftentimes, he would let his tongue get the best of him. Amen? Uh-oh. By the way, thank you for that class. I think that's a, a wonderful class that you'll be doing. He oftentimes let his tongue get the, the best of him. Remember, he was a Jew of Jews, and he said and did things often that he just couldn't live up to. Have you ever been there before? Amen? 
He said and did things that he often couldn't live up to. You remember Jesus was walking on the water, and he said, Jesus, bid me to come out and to walk on the water. Jesus said, come on, and he started walking. You remember the story, he began to sink. When Jesus was going to be arrested, remember, he took out his sword and hocked off somebody's ear. That's the type of man that he was. You remember he spent time with the Gentiles and ate with them, and Paul didn't like that because he said he was being hypocritical, so Paul told him off. That's the type of guy that he was. You remember when Jesus was getting ready to go to the cross, he said, look, Jesus, wherever you go, I'll be there with you, and I'll never deny you. And then the Scripture said he denied him three times. So Peter really understood the power of the cross because he was a person that made mistakes. You see, if you're a person that makes mistakes, if you have error in your life, if you did something that you're not proud of in your life, you can really understand the power and the importance of the cross. But if you think you got it all together and you're good to go, sometimes people like that, when it comes to the cross, it has none effect. But Peter understood this because he was a person that that made mistakes. And this morning, if you're a person that makes mistakes in your life, you can really understand that what Jesus did on the cross was so powerful and so amazing and that baptism is just a simply awesome, awesome thing. But that's if you're a sinner like like I am. So if you have your bulletin this morning, I want you to take out your sermon notes. Take out your sermon notes. And I want you to Fill in some of these principles. I've got some highlighted words on the screen. So if you're visiting with us this morning, you have some notes and you just fill in the blank. The highlighted words are something that you can fill in. And we've got a question that I want to pose to you this morning. The question is, again, should I feel any different after baptism? You know, there's a whole lot of assumptions and thoughts about what we should feel before, during, and after baptism, right? Before baptism, typically, what do you feel? One might say that they feel nervous, right? Or agitated just a little bit because they don't understand the process too much. They may have questions. They may feel a sense of exciting excitement. One person told me that when you're getting ready to be baptized, it's like getting ready to play in a championship game. You're nervous, you're excited, you're ready to win, but it's just, it's just a scary thing. And a lot of times what that does is that prevents people sometimes from going forth with the, the responsibility, the calling of being baptized. So that's before baptism. What about during baptism? Well, since it's such an exciting thing, you know, with excitement comes butterflies and comes a weird feeling. My sister, uh, Jasmine, uh, who was a senior in high school, she was just recently baptized, and Jasmine is really soft-spoken and quiet. And she said, Jason, when I am baptized, I don't want anybody there because I don't want anybody looking at me while I'm getting into the water, right? So some people feel that when they're getting ready to be baptized. They're so nervous and they're concerned about what everybody else is thinking and it's a problem for them. And I had one person tell me one time, and I thought this was so profound, he said, Jason, when you baptize me, make sure you keep me under there really long because I have a lot of stuff that needs to come off under me. So so just leave me down there, okay? So there's all kind of thoughts and feelings and things of that nature when it comes to baptism. And then after you're baptized, what do you feel? In this clip, we saw a man that was excited. You've seen baptisms before where someone has come out of the water and they just begin to weep uncontrollably. 
Other times you've seen baptisms where people come out of the water and they just, they just, they just start laughing. Other times you see people who come out of the water when they're baptized, they just have a blank stare on their face like, I'm waiting for something to you know, happen, but I just don't feel like anything has happened. So the real question is, what should I feel when it comes to my baptism? Should I feel any different? Well, I think there are four emotions that all of us should probably feel when it comes to baptism, right? The first is, is gratitude. The first is gratitude. The second is amazement. The third is joy. And then lastly, I would say you feel a sense of safety. And I don't know if that's an emotion, but I'm just throwing it up there anyway. A sense of safety. Acts chapter 16 is the text that I want to take us to next. Acts 16, and the scripture says here, when she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house, and she persuaded us. Story of Lydia, powerful in Scripture in Acts chapter 16. What we understand about this great woman of faith is that she was a businesswoman, and she was down at the river with some of her, her friends and, and, and family members, and the disciples show up, and they tell her about baptism. And she, she says, this is an amazing thing. And she didn't hesitate at that moment. She decided to put Christ on in baptism. And as soon as she put Christ on in baptism, a sense of gratitude just came over her. Insomuch that she said to her rest of her household, hey, look, all of us need to figure this thing out. All of us need to do it. And it says the entire household was baptized. I've witnessed that one time since I've been in ministry. So I baptized probably, and this is not you know, record-keeping or patting myself on the back. But over the course of my 10 years, I've probably baptized about 85 to 90 people, participated in it. And only one time have I seen it where an entire household was baptized together, and that was the Pittman family uh, here at this church. The entire family came together, and they were baptized on the same day. And then the Scripture says after she was baptized, she did something that's powerful. She invited us into her home. And she said, look, you're going to stay with me today. You're going to have some food and eat. Any of you have grandparents like that? They say, you're coming to my house and you will eat. You don't have a choice in the matter. I know there's some members here that are kind of like that. You're coming with me and you will eat. Amen. And what I think this proves is just this overwhelming sense of gratitude based upon what just happened to her. She was so, so thankful. I've been in situations before where I baptized someone and they sent me a gift or they gave me a gift basket. And at first you go, this is not about what I did. This is not about me. Let me return this. But what they're saying is, look, I'm just so thankful. I'm so, so gracious. I'm so appreciative of what just happened. And that's an emotion that I think all of us should feel when we think about our baptism. And you will feel that way if you feel like you're a sinner, if you've got plenty of mistakes you've made in your life. Gratitude. The second is this, a sense of amazement. Acts chapter 8 and verse number 13. Acts 8, 13. Even Simon himself believed, and after being baptized, he continued on with Philip. And as he, was, as he observed signs and great miracles taking place, he was constantly amazed. So you know the story of, of Simon. In the scripture, Simon is known as a sorcerer. 
right? Kind of like, uh, is it David Blaine? Is he a sorcerer, magician, something like that? Anyway, he was this sorcerer guy. So what he would do is he liked to deceive people with powers, so-called powers that he thought he had, right? So it's kind of like a magician, right? So he, 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 wanted, he wanted some fame and some notoriety, but when he heard the gospel, he fell flat on his face. He said, this gospel is amazing, right? I, I, I'm so intrigued about what happened. And when he heard the message, uh, being a magician, your, your, your whole duty and your whole outlook on life is to amaze people, is to wow people, right? That's what he did. And when he heard about the gospel and when he was baptized, the scripture said this magician, this sorcerer who was in the business of wowing people couldn't stop being amazed by what, by what happened. And he got to witness the power of the Holy Spirit. And remember what it says in Scripture as he continued on. He wanted to buy the power of the Holy Spirit, right? So he could do some more, some more things with it. And the response was, may your money perish with you. But he was constantly amazed. And I hope and pray this morning that if you have been baptized into Jesus Christ, that you stay in a perpetual state of amazement. This church that we're in, this church thing that we're a part of, it's amazing, Simply amazing. But you know what happens over the course of time? It begins to lose its luster because we've been involved in it so long, right? It's like a new toy. When it's time for a birthday and you buy your child that brand new toy, they're excited, they're amazed with it. But over the course of time, it begins to lose its luster just a little bit. And I hope and pray that as a church family, that never happens to us when we think about our salvation, our conversion, and our baptism, that we're always amazed by what Jesus did on the cross for us. I hope and pray that we have that mentality and that mindset always. Next is joy. Acts chapter 16 and verse number 34. I love the story of, of the jailer, don't you? If you haven't read this in your Bible, I would encourage you to, to really read this one. Scripture says the jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. And you've, you've read this text before. Paul and Silas were in prison for preaching the gospel, right? They were confined in chains. They were prisoners. It was like lock up raw biblical times, right? So they're in jail. And remember, they started singing and praising the Lord, and there was a great earthquake. And what happened was the jail doors flew open, and the prisoners were free to leave. And guess what? None of the prisoners left. Can you believe it? They said, we like it in here. We're okay. No, that's probably not what they said, but it's amazing to me that none of them decided to get out of there. A prisoner who doesn't like to escape or doesn't want to escape. What? It's mind-boggling. So this jailer who was supposed to be on guard that was probably asleep came in and he said, oh my goodness, what's going on? And you remember the response, hey, all the prisoners are here. And that was enough for him to say, okay, what do I need to do right now to be baptized? Because this doesn't happen. This is an amazing thing. So the scripture says that he was baptized, he and his whole house, and he was filled with joy because he became a person who believed in God. When you believe in God, you're, you're filled with joy, and it's an amazing thing. And then lastly, safety. Matthew chapter 3, verses 11 and 12. Safety. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. 
His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. That's a verse that I, yeah, it's kind of tough, isn't it? I mean, winnowing fork, first of all, I don't know what that is. I'm not a farmer. I don't winnowing fork, unquenchable fire. There's something about being baptized that lets us know that when we're baptized, we, we don't have anything else to worry about. We're okay. We're okay. When you're baptized into Christ, you can go like this. <sighs> Sin and death has no power over me. Satan has no dominion over me. I'm in the arms of Jesus Christ, and I know where I'm going. So you feel a sense of overwhelming safety. It's kind of like when you go into your house, and before you go to bed, if you're like I am, you go around to each and every door within the house, and you lock the door, right? And you've been in a place before where you got into the bed, and, and you wondered if you had locked the front door or not, right? So you get up out of bed, and you go jiggle the handle, and you realize that it was locked. You were just doing a double check, right? There's something about safety that we like. We want to be safe. We want to know that everything is going to be okay and that we don't have to worry. When you're baptized into Christ, you receive an overwhelming sense of safety, knowing that no matter what happens in life, death, sickness, cancer, famine, tragedy, being broke, can't find a job, no matter what happens in life, you're going to be okay. So if you're not baptized this morning and been added to the body, why not come and enjoy safety? And as we conclude this morning, uh, I want to give you some practical application, okay? One of my favorite verses in Scripture is found in Psalm 51. Psalm 51, and you guys uh, know this one. It's a song that we sing, I think, in our black book. I don't know if it's in the, uh, in the regular hymnal or not, but it's a song that we sing. And it, it, it's a powerful text, and I think it talks about something that, that we need to really process together this morning as we get ready to conclude. Scripture says here, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take, look at this, underline this one, or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant a willing spirit to sustain me. If you don't have this underlined in your Bible or highlighted or whatever on your tablet, your phone, your Bible, please do. Because I think this is a verse that us Christian people need to hear if we've been in Christ for a while. Sometimes we need the joy of our salvation renewed. Because like I said, sometimes it loses its luster over time. And what's so fearful about that is if we lose our luster and we begin to turn our backs on God, the scripture says, hey, Lord, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. A lot of people think that when you're baptized, you're good to go. And that's it, right? And you can go on living the life that you want to live, and, and you can say that Jesus' grace covers me, so I'm not worried. Part of that is true. The Lord's grace will always cover you. But did you not know, as I read this text, the Holy Spirit can be quenched and taken from us? And how it's quenched and taken from us is through a lifestyle of sin. 
And that's typically what happens, right? We come to Christ and we're overjoyed and we're thrilled and then Satan knows our weaknesses. He pokes at us, all those weak spots. I know you're weak here, so I'm gonna poke at you. And then what happens is we begin to get discouraged, don't we? And when we begin to get discouraged, what we start doing is we start turning our backs on God and we have this just mean spirit about us and we're always upset and we're always angry. And before we know it, God is over here and we're way over here. And maybe some of you here this morning are in that place where you've had some hard stuff happen to you in life. Maybe you lost a job. Maybe you lost a family member. Maybe you've come down with sickness. And right now you're just, you're just fed up and you're tired. The prayer is here by the psalmist. God, renew a steadfast spirit in me which means an unshakable spirit, meaning no matter what happens, help me to hold on to the cross. Renew a steadfast spirit within me and restore the joy of your salvation. So the last question that I have on your outline is good sermon, now what? Just like last week, right? So I want to give you some, some practical application on how we can renew this steadfast spirit within us and how we can be in a place of being overjoyed about our salvation. Okay, so here you go. Um, how many of you guys here like the DMV? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Nobody? You don't like the DMV? The DMV. You don't like it? Have you been there? Isn't it just amazing? You go in there, it's quick, fast, and you can get in there and get out. Right? So, uh, like many of you, I've had this experience. Last week, I had to go to the DMV to renew my tags, right? In order to renew my tags, first of all, I had to get a smog check, right? So, you go and get your smog check, and the person at the smog check place says, you're good to go, but we need to replace your lights, get your oil done, filters, there's a screw loose, right? Uh, so, first of all, you're a little upset about that. You finally get your smog check, and then you go over to the DMV, and then if you are like me, you never make appointments when you go to the DMV. I know, I know, I'm one of those types, right? Throw stones later, okay? And you know when you go into the DMV, there's two lines. Appointments, non-appointments, right? So, guess where I have to go? Into the non-appointment line, and I sit there, and I wait, and if you've seen the movie Zootopia, if you hadn't seen it, you've got to go see it, right? There's something about people who work at the DMV. They move in slow motion, don't they? Right? And it can be so frustrating. So I was number three in line on the non-appointment side. And I said, this is going to be quick. I'm going to be out of here in about 15 minutes, right? So I'm sitting there. And then before I know it, all the appointments come in. And it's a line outside the door. And there's only one person working the checkout or check-in lane. So he goes to the appointment, and then he switches back to the non-appointment. Goes back and forth. I was in line for an hour and a half. And I'm going like this the whole time. All right? The lady in front of me finally turned to me. and She said, can you believe this? Our tax-paying dollars are going to this. They can't put some more people to work this line. I'm so frustrated and upset, right? And then the guy behind me said, you, I can't believe this, you're right. And there's only way, I, I, I'm sick of it. And they're saying this in front of me and behind me. And then both of them turned to me and said, what do you think? And I said, well, you know, I'm just, I'm just here. I'm just, you know, I'm, 
you know, this is just the way it is. And then the lady said to me, you're one of those types that like to smile, but you're just boiling over on the inside, aren't you? <laughs> right? And I just smiled. I said, no, you know, I'm, I'm okay. I've learned to be patient. This is one of those things, right? People were fussing, complaining, upset, but really it didn't bother me. It didn't bother me. Why? Number one, I'm in the army and they have this saying that says, hurry up and wait right? So when you think something is going to go fast, it's going to go slow, so don't get frustrated. So I had that in my mind. I'm just going to take my time. If it takes three hours, I'm good. I'll go get my subway afterward. So I was actually okay, and people around me were boiling over. Why was I okay? Because I've learned the discipline of being patient. How have I learned the discipline of being patient? Well, I've had situations in my life that have taught me to be patient, right? And how I've learned patience is really through Scripture, to be self-controlled. And the reason why I'm self-controlled is because I'm in Christ. And the reason why I'm in Christ is because I gave my life up to him through baptism. So I was fine at the DMV, and it only took me two hours. And then I left. How do we uh, restore the joy of our salvation or your salvation? Number one, we have to live in a state of constant happiness. And some people don't like that because they say, you can't be happy all the time. And I, and I understand that. And I get a bad rap because people say, Jason, all you do is smile all the time. Makes me sick, right? I, I get it. But I really am happy. And the reason why I'm happy is because I've been saved from my sins. And I know where I'm going. So for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And some people will say, well, Jason, you don't have much tragedy. You haven't had much hardship in your life. I understand that. I understand that. But I know where I'm going. I know where I'm headed. So I can be happy. I can smile when people are rude and they mistreat you. And they're upset with you. I can be happy when I think about my salvation. So how do we renew it? Live in a state of happiness. But I tell you what, I've met some Christian folk that are just they have this sour disposition about them. You know, I hope and pray that when people come into our church building, they go, this is the happiest place on earth. Forget Disneyland. Sorry, Glenn, but forget Disneyland. The Mission Viejo Church of Christ is the happiest place on earth. What's wrong with these people, right? Why are they so happy? But my fear is sometimes they might not experience that. But I hope they do because we have something to be thrilled about. Number two, how else can we restore the joy of our salvation. Well, we've got to be thankful, and that falls in the same category, being happy. Be thankful. You know, it's easy to fall into the trap of thinking about what's going wrong in life, isn't it? Isn't it? It's easy to fall in that, right? And complain about everything. Mary fusses at me all the time because I'm one that can find anything to complain about. We can be on vacation in Hawaii. I can say, it's too bright out here. It's too, the sand is too hot on my feet, right? There's something, you can always complain about something always, but find ways to be thankful about something. Change your mentality. Think about what is true, what is just, what is noble, what is righteous, what is lovely, what is of good report. Think, think on those things instead of thinking about how everything is wrong and bad around you, because then you're like Eeyore. You have this dark cloud following you wherever you go, and nobody wants to be around you. Nobody, because all you are is grumpy all the time. And, and I hope and pray I'm not one of those old men when I get older that is one of those types that say, get off my lawn, right? I, I don't want to be like that. Uh-oh. Okay, I don't want to be like that. 
And I know none of you here are either, right? Because I'm thankful for what the Lord did for me. And then lastly, this is the most important, I think. In order to restore the joy of our salvation, we always have to ask for forgiveness. Ask for forgiveness daily. What I love about the Lenten season, the Lent season, is is in this process of giving up something, we're constantly praying to the Lord. And we're praying to the Lord to say, hey, Lord, I'm guilty of sin all the time. Every day I do something wrong. Every day I mess up. Every day I fall short. But you know it's hard to do that sometimes if we're busy pointing a finger at everybody else. Can I get an amen? What's wrong with everybody else? This person over here, that person over there. And what we're forgetting is that when you point one finger, you got one, two, three, four coming back at you, right? So if we live in a state of perpetual uh, repentance and asking the Lord to forgive us daily, what we get excited about is our salvation. That's That's what we do. So I would encourage you to think through those three things, those three principles as we close this morning on how to renew our salvation. And I hope and pray that all of you here this morning that have been baptized into Jesus Christ are in a state of gratitude. You're constantly amazed. You're filled with joy and you feel safe. But if your salvation has lost luster over time, I would encourage you to be happy, to be thankful, and to ask for forgiveness daily. I had a, uh, a uh, difficult situation um, this morning with hearing some news. You know, I think Robert mentioned that uh, the Morris family, Randy and Nisha, um, their child, Natasha, was in uh, poor health. And you know the, the, the Morris family. Natasha is the one with the trach tube, the young girl with the trach tube that comes to church. She has a whole host of issues. And I hope Randy and Nisha are watching this morning. What I want to do as we close is I want to pray for baby Natasha. We don't know what her long-term prognosis is. They don't say, they say it doesn't look good for people with her condition. And what, she's six, seven years old now? Sweet, sweet child. Every time she comes up to church, she just runs up and hugs me and won't let go. So what I want to do this morning is I want to pray for the, the Morris family as we close. So will you join me in prayer? Let's pray. Father God, right now we are, we are praying for Randy and Nisha as they are obviously concerned and worried and stressed out um, about little Natasha, who has a host of physical ailments and issues that it's just so hard to hear about, Lord, at such a young age. We don't know why that stuff happens to little ones. But they have cancer, they have physical disabilities. It's just so hard. And it's hard for parents who have to watch their kids suffer through this. So right now, Lord, we are lifting up Randy and Nisha, that you would give them strength, that you would help them to remember that they are in Christ and that you are journeying with them. And most importantly, Lord, we pray for Natasha, that you would heal her lungs, that you would clear up any kind of infections that she has, that you would heal her body, that you would make it whole, and that you would help her to live a long, long healthy life. Lord, we pray this earnestly in Jesus' name. Be with their family, and I hope and pray that you would give our congregation the wherewithal to reach out to that family and to love on them and to encourage them. So we put Natasha in your hands this morning, asking for complete healing. We pray this prayer in the name of the King Jesus. Let us all say amen.
by way of invitation, if there is anyone here this morning that needs to respond to the message, maybe you need to ask the Lord for forgiveness this morning. Maybe you need prayers of the church, or maybe you want to put them on in baptism. Whatever your needs or concerns are, won't you come together while we stand and sing the song?